Hi, I'm your host, Brad Alvarez, and welcome to the Aging Services Podcast. My first batch of episodes will explore the current state of senior living in India, Japan, China, Brazil, India, and Sweden. More specifically, I intend to detail the context of senior housing in each country so that we can better understand how governments and developers have responded to the underlying causes that are shaping Asia. So let's dive in, starting with India. Traditionally, one Indian son, usually the oldest, and his wife move into the father's home to serve as caregivers. If the mother is widowed, she may instead live with her son and daughter-in-law in their home. India's arrangements are very filial especially in rural India, where in 2008, 90% of the elderly had at least one adult child living with them. This strains relationships in rural communities, where smaller homes don't offer the space and privacy required for successful multi-generational housing. However, multi-generational housing has been on the decline in India as adult children immigrate to other countries, leaving families dispersed and unable to directly care for their parents. This is especially true in southern Indian states like Kerala. According to an article by K.A. Martin, Kerala's dream chasers leave their parents lonely, and widowhood exacerbates the social deprivation. In addition to decreased familial support, Kerala has a life expectancy of 75 and a half years, which is 10 years greater than the average for the rest of India. The greater life expectancy factors into why the current total of 98 million elderly in India will skyrocket to an estimated 240 million elderly Indians in the year 2050. Only the last decade has it even become conceivable that parents would live away from their children, and that's out of necessity based squarely off the demographics. The creation of luxury senior housing has also contributed to this demand. One such community, the Rajaji Elders Home outside of Chennai, India, specifically targets seniors whose children have moved to another country. The high-end amenities offered here have helped totally reframe people's view of senior communities. In fact, a 2015 research study determined that 43% of residents in southern Kerala were now interested in old-age homes. In parts of southern India, it is no longer a disgrace to live apart from children but rather it's a status symbol. You see, senior housing in India has shifted away from being a last resort and into being a resort. This notion of luxury senior living has been a boon in some parts of the world more than others. In Hong Kong, the presence of high-end communities ultimately gave way to the first middle market community in 2004. It shows how luxury options can open the door for middle-class options. But in India, this has not been the case. It has only highlighted the gap between the elite gated communities and the free old age homes for the sick and poor, with practically no out-of-home options available between those extremes. These Indian old age homes put up to 10 men or 10 women in the same sleeping space without so much as curtains for privacy. They lack running water, greatly differing from the condition of the wealthy men and couples living in retirement communities. There is of course value in the old age homes. There are over 700 in India that serve as an emergency option when disagreements prevent parents from living at home. But it's problematic as the only option when an average senior can't live with their children. 
I recognize that this stems more from widespread inequality than from an acceptance of senior communities. However, this extreme juxtaposition in older adult living conditions is fascinating and worth exploring. Major Indian and American players recognize the opportunity in India and are taking charge. Recently, Seattle-based Columbia Pacific, which already runs 11 hospitals in India, bought out Serene Senior Care, which at the time already owned four communities, and they've since expanded tremendously. From a March article, Columbia had immediate plans to build two communities in Bangalore and plans to increase its portfolio from nearly 800 units to 5,000 units within five years. They are in full-blown expansion mode. According to the website, they're on pace as they already have 1,100 units under development. This is why Argentum, back when it was still called Alpha, partnered with the first ever Indian Senior Living Association. In the US, one of our buzzwords is the continuum, the continuum of care all the way from independent living to memory care. But almost everything I've emphasized in India has been strictly IL. Dr. Jiri, who chaired India's National Policy for Senior Citizens Report, said, quote, there is a lot of negligence for dementia care in India and are very few care centers. While the stigma isn't as strong for IL due to its reframing, there is still taboo against receiving institutionalized treatment. They use negatively charged words, like saying that a friend dumped his mother in a facility. The Dignity Foundation in India is just one group fighting for seniors, and they focus on the two populations that seemingly everybody overlooks, the cognitively impaired and the impoverished. They have helplines to address elder abuse and loneliness, two dementia daycare centers, rations for poverty-stricken seniors, and a new program called Slum Interventions. It's a questionable name, but a great service. They're already helping 16,800 elderly poor in Mumbai and Chennai by addressing the five biggest areas of concern. Financial insecurity, health-related problems, loneliness, elder abuse, and impediments to mobility. They provide services and educate seniors about improving their condition. The New Old Age blog covered the emergence of transnational caregivers, focusing on Indian seniors with adult children living in America and China. Middle-class elderly Indians lack options for their parents, and they lack relatives near their parents that they need to care for from thousands of miles away. It is a chronic stressor that restricts social life and employment opportunities. I read about a Duke alum working a marketing job at Microsoft who quit to be closer to his dad in India. And I read about another who freelances consulting jobs just so that he can visit his parents for several weeks after each project. Adult children that remain far away have routines, like calling every day to gauge how their parents are doing. One man's father from the article has consistent UTIs. So every week he sends his father to get tested to identify the earliest signs of an infection. Globalization and longevity have made checking in on parents difficult, and adult children are often faced with guilt. Indian diaspora has created business opportunities for men like Rashawn Jacobs, founder of Advantage Senior, a home health agency which employs 500 caregivers. He's built up a client base of seniors with children in the U.S. and Canada because he utilizes technology to update family members. The services provide much-needed peace of mind. Home health care in India is a $2 billion industry 
and is projected to grow by 20% annually. Surely be more businesses like Advantage springing up soon. India's government is not particularly involved in senior care, so all solutions are coming from the private enterprise. The government used to deter foreign investment into senior communities because a majority of the project had to be locally owned. This rule no longer exists, and that has opened the door for international investment. Projecting further, the belief is that countless of the Indians who left will return to enjoy their heritage and benefit from the low cost of living. If this holds true, they will require even more specialized luxury senior living. International partnerships, like the one between the Association of Senior Living India and Argentum, will catalyze much needed development. Yet nothing is happening quickly enough. That said, even with the limited demand, Serene Senior Living's website only lists one out of eight open communities as sold out. Everything indicates that the demand is insatiable, yet rooms remain vacant. It will be fascinating to see how this market is shaped in the years to come. Will major American players want in once the market needs less education on the product? Will current providers begin to shift from strictly CCRC and IL models into providing memory care beds? Or will those come from standalone communities instead? There are more questions than answers, which will make this next decade a fascinating one for aging services in India. That's all for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and keep your eyes out for the next episode as I continue to cover interesting concepts in aging services.